0: More.
1: <laughs> we don't, and that's why Echo is taking care of it of this. Aye. So now we have found an amazing house for lots of women.
2: Yeah. oh good. Well, it turns out we're all in the service of Echo. So legend making is part of our job. So what are we doing? We're try- I'm trying to figure out where we are in the building love the last book because we've been in an earthquake zone.
0: No, we're before that. We were like starting the archetypal.
2: Have it not like?
0: No, we haven't even done that part.
2: No way. Yeah,
0: we. We're just,
2: we have got amazing stuff to the do.
0: pirate woman. No. So while Clinton looks for this, I I was. Thinking I mean, I was yeah, I was thinking of coming back to reading the book and the study group and I thought, what 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 is really this study group? Like what is this really about? Because it's not a training space. So we can't, you know, we're not allowed to basically put us in breakout room and do practice because people come here to study. And (laughs) (laughs)
2: it's a safe place. It's a safe place. It's
0: a safe place. You can even keep your video, your camera off and we won't say anything. Whereas <laughs> I bet we're glad to see you. <laughs> Whereas in training spaces in my fear club, you can't hide. <laughs> so so but so and then the question is, okay, what is this about? So one I think one of the thing that this is about is to find out our incompetence is to face into our incompetence of, in this case, relating. And, and it's not really a habit in possibility management to be faced with incompetence and not have spaces to remedy that incompetence. And so what I've found is that what happens is that everybody starts creating practice spaces for themselves. And so just in the, in the last weeks, you know, there's the heart gym that came out the letting your heart speak and and even when i was thinking of the first study group this is really where um we started all delivering rage club and people would say i'm delivering the next rage club and it's like okay great let's all go to this rage club and then 4 weeks later the next person starts and everybody from the study group would go to the, the you know the following rage club and fear club and and the work talks and so i I I like that. I mean, it's not just that I like that, but I think what what I discovered is that in a way this this study group is one of the heartbeats of the village, like the community of possibility management. And that it it's it really like it's important or it this is one of the village making like it's a village making Action To create some kind of heartbeat, and so I know some of you are are village makers in Britain, in Canada in Brazil in flanopolis and and so i I found that they have this consistency and this commitment, and this this is the place where the discovery gets shared and gets put into the field, and then it 's like okay now we're speaking this the same language, and now we're all going through this liquid state of this new discovery. And it gets integrated in the village and and it and it makes sense. It's like the blood, like the blood being pumped from from the heart. So I really encourage you that if you're delivering you know offering practice spaces to share it, because people also in the recording get and ac- get access to it and say what the purpose is and when do you meet and for how long and things like that.
2: Anybody have any, any of those activities that you're announcing right now? Habet? I, I do. And Nicole, yes, good. Nicole, you got your mic on, go ahead.
3: <clears throat> yeah, thank you. I uh, I was just sharing this legend in one of the Telegram groups that this 333 Anger Monday space, It's it's such a cool mixture of people who are new to anger work and are doing three, three, three for the first time, and then there are some people who've been doing it. Like I've been doing it three and a half years. Yeah, and,
2: that's way for like that
3: The new three. <laughs> and yesterday in the space there were three men and three women. Whoa. And I, I was, I had done the experiment, a new one because I. Yeah, I figured out that some things weren't working for me so well as a space holder in that space. So I recreated the design of the experiment and ha- have been getting half the group to go first, while the others use our anger to cheer them on and and then giving feedback and coaching and then switching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the men put up their hands to go first. And so oh. the three women were like, go! And and the men came out of the space, like they did their integration minute, they came back to the screen and we were just like, Whoa. and they, the men were just like, I mean, it made my day. It's first thing in my Monday morning and I get to see men rage and women saying go and the men like crying and sad because they're being touched by this, the, the goes from the woman and then this little like micro discovery space with the feedback and coaching all these distinctions about three, 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 and conscious anger coming into the space. And then we got to do it again with the woman raging and the men saying, go and this another little, and it's an hour long. And it's, it's such a great way to start the week. And, and it's also becoming like, a, um, mm-hmm. it's like a miniature rage club. Mm-hmm. So, and it's also miniature rage club space holder training. Because people have been coming and doing three, three, three in held spaces are then like, I, I want to try holding space myself. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes this amazing village weaving space because people who are new are already turning around and inviting their friends uh, for like a taste of rage club, a taste of conscious. Mm-hmm. Anger. And it's just like, you know, like there was a woman, there's a woman mm-hmm. coming. She's like in her, in, she's like, I don't know how old she is. She's got long gray hair, and and then there's the ah. Uh, so many countries were represented. Just so cool. Three 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 zoom in spaces are such a cool way to spread conscious anger.
2: cool. how do people find it? How do people get in touch with it? There
3: is there's a Telegram group called the three three three, and it's like number three three three. Zooming Crossroads, and you can oh, join that.
0: I'll put the link in the description of the of this call. Yeah. Is
2: Thanks. it also available through the three 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 website? Can people do that?
3: I think it is on there. Uh, I will double check. And also, it's in the Team Up calendar. Yeah, great. Or a lot of the three 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 spaces are listed in the Team Up calendar
2: super Thank i, I, <laughs> I want to
0: the next step what i discovered in weirdly in the fear club in the first week i held. Well, i offered for people to hold space for an one hour boundary setting boundaries and we had 10 minutes per person it was five we were five women 10 minutes per person and it was just for, for people who have who can already feel angry and who've already probably most of them have done standing rage. So they have a sense of what it takes to make a boundary, but we have so many boundaries that we haven't made. And that just, it just makes us safe. The, the, the space completely safe. So I'm, I'm offering here in, in this space for whoever, you know, is turned on to hold these micro rage club, like you call them, Nicole, which is called boundary. Yeah. Setting boundary, making boundaries. One hour.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you. The the Women Starting Over Possibility team is opening its doors next Friday. So at at the beginning of each month, we open the doors for more women to join. We are now 18 18 women exploring the websites every week. Mm -hmm. And we went through the The first one was the box, and it was, there was this amazing discovery about knits, and we did this experiment in breakout rooms to pick a knit and then discover where it came from. And the discovery was that even though the knit seems very small, there's usually an emotion, a survival strategy, or something that, really impacted the person so that the knit was created and then it opens a possibility for healing and transformation and going through an emotional healing process or dismantling the the, checking the survival strategy and by doing so redesigning the box, which is pretty amazing. Hmm. I'm really turned on by that. Hmm. So next Friday, it's possible for new women to, to join. We are now exploring conscious feelings so you're welcome
2: is there a a place for people to find that group how do people is it a possibility on the possibility team website
1: on the team no not yet i will take care of that and i just posted the the telegram group link on the possibility creation village
2: great great thank you Somebody else uh have a doorway like that?
4: Yes, I'm holding space for okay, I bet No, okay, go, I'm go,
5: Deborah, I'm happy you're going because I'm still in the thing
4: I'm holding space for a possibility team and a structure possibility team. And last week we dived into the energetic body, like discovering what, how it is connected to feelings, how it is connected to your parts, and what is stopping you from, from being centered in your energetic body. What is blocking you and, and how, how to hold space for yourself, basically. And on thir- it's on Thursday at 2 p.m. Brazilian time and 6 p.m. CT. And we will do a brain surgery next week,
6: <laughs> this week.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Diving you deep and fast.
2: What's, what's, <laughs> what's the name of the group again?
4: Uh, Inner Structure Possibility Team.
2: Okay, so it's a possibility to team and, the theme of intersection. Okay, yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's available on the possibility team website. People can find it also.
4: Yes. For team up. Yes.
2: Yeah, but team up also. But the, And we
4: have four team members. Fourteen. Right now. Wow. Yeah, forty. No, four, four.
0: zero.
2: Forty! Yeah. <laughs>
4: You're do yeah. You are in the space clinic. Yeah, no. <laughs> you Four are one of the members.
2: surgery. We're going to do 40 brain surgeries next <laughs> time. 40 brain surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> <Blood> <laughs> no, it's a magnetic <laughs> surgery. So memes everywhere. Memes crawling around the floor <laughs> trying to get away. Yeah. <laughs> <Because. laughs> Oh, man. Thank you.
4: And <laughs> and I want to add something. I'm I'm making an experiment of being close to a big town and creating a possibility team there. And I'm going to uh, Guarujas, São Paulo, and I am I'm, I'm empowering you if you know someone who's from São Paulo to be part of my possibility team so I can I will be there for 2 months and then I will replace myself there and maybe I will go to the next town and do the next thing and <laughs> I don't know but it's turning me on to do that.
2: It's like Johnny Appleseed <clears throat> like possibility scene something like that <laughs> nice thank you
0: A bet
5: Yes, I'm offering a rage club and a fear club this month in February, uh, next month, on uh, Monday and Tuesday. the The rage club is on Monday, and the fear club is on Tuesday for Black Indigenous and people of color. And it's also in the in the team up calendar. Oh. And yeah, I'm also happy if you spread that.
2: Wow! Thank you. <laughs>
0: I have it are most of your people from Berlin or is it is it also from
5: other region? Yeah, they are from all over Germany, but mostly the people who come from other regions somehow they heard it from the people who were from Berlin. Like okay. the last two rage clubs or three rage clubs I didn't know. I didn't not know the people in my in my trainings. Cool. Because yeah. it's really yeah. And that was also, yeah, I, 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 suppose there are more offers, but I have another question, Chloe, not, not a question, but about what you said with the study group as the heart of this mm, village, because my fear is that like I had a session today with someone. I, I raised my hand that I'm gonna be in the team of that person, right? To do to do the processes, whatever. And what came up in me is that it's sometimes it's not clear what they actually want. What what do they actually want when they call in a team or when they call up on the village to support them? Because the idea that I got is that I am that I'm doing the healing, but that's not what happens. Like, I'm I'm just a witness, right? And at some point, the client said, it seems that we are speaking different languages. And that's exactly what I got as well. Like, the the sense that I got was, wow, we are not speaking about the same thing when we're making distinctions or... And... Yeah, I'm so glad because again, it's so matching that you open it up with this because me too, like I've been doing this work now more than 10 years, right? But still, I need to come back here to, to source again, to, to, you, you know, like because once, you get liquid all the time and constantly it's really important to have some kind of reference point, right? Uh, mm-hmm. to check what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And yeah, my fear is that that's it's not so clear that this is the village. Like this is where it actually happens and all the rest is just training like right? like labs and spaces where we can, practice in a safe space and my fear is that it becomes something like wow it's great because i got so much attention I have so many people who support me but in what but you are the only one to tell us in what <laughs> right it, yeah that's that's what I'm that's my question I'm sitting with
2: right mm-hmm. now it's even wilder than that in terms of <laughs> the weaving of the field this because I don't know why Aunt Chloe said what she said, and I don't know why you're saying what you're saying. But I'm opening the book, and the the section where I think we are is called "Cultivating the Broken Heart," and it and it's like this is where we are. We're cultivating the broken heart, and I I'm just gonna i just want to read it for a while, and we can talk more later. But I because because you brought it up again, Habet, it's really. It's up, you know. This is this is the village. The village is cultivating a broken heart, and I'll just read what it says. If if you're in the book, it's section four, page two fifty-seven. I don't know where else. Section
0: eight B though.
2: Eight D. Eight D the chapter. If you go down. Yeah. Let's
0: go down. Section eight D: How to of Archetypal Love, two fifty-seven.
2: In one way or another, each of us has been wounded. In order to develop the matrix of consciousness upon which our being can grow, our child innocence must in some manner and in some point in time be taken away from us. I'm just going to say that again. Because in order to develop the matrix of consciousness for adulthood, then our childhood, you know, child ego state must in some manner in some point in time be taken away from us. Whether the destruction of our innocence was brutal and extended or precise and swift, it does not so much matter. What matters is that at some point, like now, we gain the clarity about what happened to us from the perspective of a bigger picture about the process we are involved in, what is important is that we come to understand the necessity and value and use of shattered innocence. So in terms of what you were saying, does that hit home, what you're saying? In terms of the heartbeat? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's recontextualizing our lives. And it's like a, a traditional therapy group would be trying to make us feel better or trying to make us more functional in the modern world so we could do our job or you know, take care of our family or something like that. That's what a therapy group would be doing. And what we're doing here is recontextualizing our the shadowy parts of our lives into a context of transformation. And if, if that is not, if that does not take place, then we're left with trying to patch little holes and pretend and make things, you know, cover it over with whipped cream and and make it look nice. When in fact, it isn't, it is not nice. And in, and what we're doing here is taking the not nice part and making sense of it it's, it's almost like looking at a garden and going to the poop pile you know the compost pile and go this is where it all comes from you don't have a, a great poop pile if you don't have a great compost pile that's working for your garden you won't have a garden and so you know in a way it's really it seems conceptually contradictory in a in a wellness or well-being or evolution or transformation space to have as our ally like the dark side you know the shadow world and and making and recontextualizing it making putting it to good use and so when you say like this is the heartbeat a heartbeat of the village
0: yeah, one of the heartbeat
2: yeah. yeah a heartbeat of the village it's like okay this is important, like you said, Habet, is to keep coming back to what the heck are we doing, you know, that it, in a way that makes sense. Because, you know, why are we doing Rage Club? Why are we doing Fear Club? Why are we doing these possibility teams and practicing, you know, wildly you know, bizarre skills that there aren't, are no job list requirement anywhere in the, in ordinary culture? Well,
0: no, I just want to add it. I mean, also for the people listening to the recording, there's a difference between listening to a recording and actually being in this space. Mm. And, I mean, one of the differences is that there's a particular space with bright principles and um, a purpose and a context that is held here. And who, Whatever, when you're listening to the recording, is, you might be doing dishes, you might be in the car, you might be whatever, There's a, it's a different space. And the other difference is that whoever you, who come here, then you participate in the heartbeat. It's like, Mm. you are also the heartbeat. And if people don't come, there's no heartbeat anymore. And even it's like, if people listen to the recording, they're not sourcing the heartbeat as part of being responsible. I just want to say as part of being responsible for the village.
6: And
2: I would encourage you to 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 extend that even further to the to the point of when you're brushing your teeth tonight, you're looking in the mirror and you go, "There is a heartbeat. I'm a heartbeater. You know, I'm 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 one of the hearts of the village beating." As part of your, you know, in a way, you're sacrificing this these couple hours of your day or this week. You're you're like sacrificing it to be participating in the heartbeat of the village and that it isn't it is the thing that you that you bet you know that you get fed from you know you have to imagine that the heart also gets fed by the blood that goes through it it isn't like just pumping blood for everybody else the heart also gets blood going through it you know the oxygen and the nutrients and all that and so when you when you become part of the heartbeat it's and, and you let it go through you and you're more aware of it that you're actually participating in the village at a central in a central way you know, you're participating in a in a central way it's not a superior thing but it is a, it is a, a definite contribution it's like a huge contribution and let the reciprocal feeding mm-hmm. happen between you and what goes through you even if you are not saying a lot you know like for example you know mark i don't know you've been here for years and and i've seen you change so much and i've changed so much and it's such an amazing thing and a lot of times you'll only say three words in a in a meeting or you know one sentence or whatever and it's like but then you're definitely one of these heartbeat part of this part of this heartbeat and i i think that i i would ask everybody i think what is everybody? What do you Like how many people would say that you've gotten, like you can feel Mark's attention when he's in this space. How many people can feel Mark's, even if he's not saying anything, you can just feel his part, his presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a great thing Uh in terms of the heart beating in the village. And it's a, so it's, we're doing this kind of alchemical magic by holding space for this study group, and it's cruising along. And and Chloe just indicated that we've got major territory to go through in the next year. I, but, I
0: wanted to say. So <laughs> I was thinking, just have it. One of the questions you can ask, you know, when you you sensing this this conversation, like this different language. Mm. When, one one of the thing I was thinking just now is you could say w- which which heartbeat do you go to, like which heartbeat do you go? Do you know? Do you participate in? Who's the you? Well, whoever you know, have it, or whoever mm. you're talking to. If you feel like there's this context difference, it's like where are you getting fed? Like because because you know even for example the evolution of the healing village came from this pain of. This, the spaceholder team, which is um, Gabrielle LeChemin and Nicole Bradford, you were in there for a long time, and Nicole Nette of, okay, the healing village is not a a free hotline, like a free catharsis hotline. You know, people call in panic mode of like, you know, I'm having a triggered emotion. Like, let me try to talk to somebody. This is not what this is about, actually. This is actually about building a certain kind of matrix to be able to go through powerful processes and be able to hold space for other people to go through these processes and, 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 and evolving that matrix. Okay. Well, where are people building that matrix to actually become, you know, more elegant, better, or more, uh, whatever, a a wider context or deeper context of space holding for EHPs and, we, it just started. Basically, we had this conversation a few months ago about having a monthly scale up for the the Healing Village, and the so and the heartbeat is kind of like the the scale up is just like it's kind of like a small baby heartbeat. i <laughs> it <laughs> like that. It's like a small baby heartbeat. It, and so, okay, let's feed it so that it grows and that it can be heard. It can be heard, you know, wider and further. But I think part of it is also. For us who are village arc and village maker, that as we you know we whatever deepen our context of how does arc and village work, really? How does it go? Like, how do you build an arc and village? You know, not just land based, but also a you know a local village or a global village in this case. It's like, okay, we're discovering that it needs this thing called a heartbeat, and 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 so then we can start having this conversation with people of being like, which heartbeat are you beating in? Like which heartbeat are you flowing blood to? And you getting fed by? Cause if you're not, then you're not in the village. You're, you know, you're just eating and, and it's fine for a while, you know, baby breastfeed and stuff like that. But it's, it does not at some point it, you will hit like people will hit a ceiling very fast about how to participate if they're not like being reciprocal, like Clinton was saying. And so that can be a, really a door for us to keep opening, saying, hey, how are you reciprocating? How are you participating? Even just with attention.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Even just with, with your attention, that is participation.
2: And it also, in a very real sense, we are learning a different language. And so there's, we even have a, website that just says that it's just we're learning the language called arkin what is arkin it is the language of archeology so there's this i I've, I've noticed over the last year or two when i write a spark or i write a newsletter sometimes i write a paragraph that almost every other word is a link to a whole website because i'm using vocabulary from the Arkan language. So what that means is we can have whole conversations in Arkan language, Arkan distinctions, that make so much sense in Ar in, Arche- in this field, in this game world. And yet, if somebody else was was listening to you, they would they would just be shaking your head, go, I don't understand a word that you said. And I mean, that's why the links are in there. So that if you find a word that you don't understand, you click and you boom, there's a whole website with context and exercises and diagrams and videos and all this stuff just to unfold that little that distinction but <clears throat> how do you include how do you how do you welcome people into a new language Well, the, the really the best way is to speak the language go ahead a bit
5: yeah my fear is they are already there and they are using the words and they 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 use it differently seemingly, because otherwise there wouldn't be this perception of speaking different languages. Like I'm not speaking about people who haven't been in the context. I'm speaking about people who, who are already in Fear Club and who have done Gremlin Transformation or whatever and ask for a team and then I am one of those space holders and then checking like, okay, what are you here for? What is what you need? And I'm, I'm speaking from my fear of bringing my people into this whole village because my idea is that, oh, maybe it's just my imagination that we are all kind of gatekeepers, right? And they come through me now as a gate, but it could be anybody. And then they land there in the middle of the the village or at the heart or meeting people in the village. And... <laughs> the the power of this language is that it works in every language right like mm-hmm. i mean it's feelings language so we have all feelings it's universal language so what's the problem and the the problems can only come from box and gremlin mm-hmm. but if we we don't mean the same thing by box and gremlin that's the problem i like this is where I see it needs the substance, like the blood, like really, like coming and getting the food and being part. Like to me, it's ninety percent of 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 what I learn. I learn it in between those spaces, right? Like because I I come from some kind of incidents and I come to you and I tell you about it and it I get feedback and coaching possible, but it's in my life. It's happening in my life. It's not happening in these spaces. And my fear is that people have misunderstandings about that and think that I should provide them now with some clarity, but this will not work, right? Like, I mean, I can land clarity in somebody who's who's on the edge, right?
2: uh, Sophia, I see your hand, hand, Sonia, Um, but I just want to say, this is not, you have to be careful. I don't know if this is what you're saying, but it sounds like it could be that you're looking for an authority you know that an, mm-hmm. an authority will define this and therefore you don't have to be the authority because then the other some other authority defines it but the way this works is a circle there is no authority there's no hierarchy and so you get to define it and people are requiring you to hold the space for yeah. them to go you know and it's your it's your job in fact
0: and in, to question and to question yeah. their definition of whatever
2: and and just before the meeting came on and Chloe and I were saying well you know pretty soon there's going to be you know 15 more study groups out there and they don't all have to study this book there's 300 books on the book list that are all great books but to, for each of you be holding a study group for your people and and what happens well they build they build matrix and they learn to speak a new language and that, that would that's so useful when you are the space holder you know, going through just like we're doing here. You know, you go through the whole thing, and and one step at a time, people build it out, and and it's it's incredible the actual practical difference that shows up in people's lives just from building metrics from in a study group, week after week. A study group is huge. Sonia, what were you going to say? That
1: um, even though the distinctions are really powerful they will be just words if they are coming from verbal reality. And what I'm discovering is that this also happens when using possibility management distinctions, software. If people are not in experiential reality, words are just words and they can mean several different things for the person that is using them. And what I'm discovering is that, for example, just by being in the bridge house, I'm getting much more closer to what is and to experiential reality and integrating the distinctions of box, Bremlin survival strategies, low drama, much more than being on these calls. And, and these calls are pretty amazing and they are very nourishing. And without these spaces in between the spaces, they, are, they aren't holding on to the structure that I'm creating in the calls. So I can hear all of you landing these amazing things coming through your archetypal lineage, but if there aren't spaces in between the spaces, it doesn't matter because I will still be in in verbal reality and then experiential realities. It's kind of not matching. And then if they don't match, it doesn't um, move something inside of me. And the other thing that I'm experiencing other than being in the bridge house is holding space for other people. So, for example, the women starting over, it's it's so incredible. Well, I'm really happy to see people in low drama because I'm learning about low drama and and it's really rich. And, And this would not be possible if I was not holding space for these spaces and if I was not in the bridge house because I was in another culture. Even after being becoming a nomad, I was going back to my mother's house while I was in Portugal because it was safe. And now I moved from the writing house rich house to the women of earth rich house, and, and I'm my box is going crazy. Like I'm reactive, then people are reactive, then I don't want to be reactive because it's so wrong. And and in the middle of that, I am discovering so much, but so much about, about how box and survival strategies block intimacy. And I'm really sad about that. I'm, I'm sad. And this pain is moving me forth to create different things, different spaces and, and be here today. So for example, now I'm just noticing my, I have this voice like, Oh my God, you're talking so much right now. Where's your fear? You're not blocking it. And this is changing because I'm doing all these steps. I came from the writing house, then I'm doing Fear Club, and and I'm just talking and talking, and I felt my fear. And I was just thinking, if someone else speaks after Clinton, I'm just going to say, shut the fuck up. This is me now. My fear something to say. And and I'm coming alive. I'm coming alive. And, and it's experiential reality. So...
2: I'm really happy about this. So the next paragraph in the book, it says your innocence may be shattered through being betrayed, being abandoned, being abused, through losing something that you cherish, being stuck with something that you hate. You know, one person's innocence is shattered by being born prematurely and living their first three months in a plastic incubator. Another person's innocence is shattered by being sent to public school when they're five years old. Someone else's innocence is destroyed by the psycho-emotional terror perpetrated on their family by an alcoholic father or a choleric mother by a disease or an accident requiring surgery, by being sexually molested or by someone close suddenly dying, by natural disaster, the effect of war, whatever exactly happened to you, whatever story you produce about what happened, the consequence of the wounding will be the same at the moment of the wounding as it is now if the wounding was lifetimes ago. So the result of the wounding will be objective having the same result from person to person and the result of your wounding is a broken heart. And in a, in a way Sonia that's what you were just saying. You were just saying you're going through this and you're going through that and you everything is you know the, the the survival strategy that you had is hitting the wall. And and so you it has in a way, it has to fail. If it does not fail, you don't get a new life. Like it's like the, you know, the life of a caterpillar inside of the chrysalis has to fail for the butterfly to come out. And so there's there's all these metaphors like that, but it's like it really is it, it um the the death and resurrection show. It really is the as big as it sounds. You know, I'm not making it. I'm not over dramatizing the thing.
0: I mean, I mean, wait, wait.
2: <laughs> I just want to say the reason I'm saying it like that is because we're in the we're heading towards archetypal domains, and you can't navigate archetypal domains without that level of intensity.
0: I bet. Yes,
7: yeah, because I want everybody to hear that. <laughs>
5: I just want everyone to hear that.
7: There's no way.
2: Why,
0: I mean, it's your job.
2: Why of... is it important for them to hear that? Can you say that?
0: <clears throat> yeah, because school made us believe, like Sonia
5: saying, that we have to do it right, or not wrong, or not again, or not too long, or not too loud, or whatever. That's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. And my fears they allow this in the space in, in, in their bodies in the emotional healing process even there. Even there. When it's really for free and I'm here and I'm I'm just here to hold space for you. Why why would you have to do it right? I don't give a fuck if I understand or not. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> It just make me so sad because i make it a priority. I make time for it. I will travel tomorrow. I don't want to waste my time discussing gremlins and nonsense. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Would you would you keep saying that habit? Like whenever. You know, you're holding space for someone to hit the wall, like, or for their survival strategy to hit the wall, or for people to mm-hmm. hit bottom, which I guess is kind of this thing the strategy hit, hit the wall so that you can hit bottom. You just tell them what you just said. You just, yeah. down. And then you, <clears throat> this disarm for me, for me, that has disarmed so many gremlin comments. Yeah. Oh. Because the person, like, there's this possibility of, God, they really, somebody really is holding space for me. Like, somebody, really, my gremlin will not work here. Mm -hmm. And, and, okay, well, there might be a lot of fear, but it's like, okay, well, if there's fear, then that's it. Then that's where we are together.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what what we came for. Yeah. We wanted more fear, right? We paid money for more fear. Here we
3: go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you,
1: Robert.
2: Uh, Kian and Sage, hello. How, hello. How's Hi. it going over there? We're in pretty deep over here, but how's it going over there?
7: Well, I I like to say I just appreciate being here. I um, touch possibility management through three people here at at the farm uh, where I live, and I love the way that it lives in them. And so I'm just um, really intrigued and and really grateful to be here. Um, I always I always find these jewels and gems in my life when I see it, how it's how something is living in someone and. That attracts me like there's there's an aliveness and a authenticity and a, a capacity to really bring themselves forward in, in really beautiful ways and so I um, was in a conversation with Kian yesterday and I just said I think I want to take a step further I think I want to find out more about this and so the invitation was to join this call today and um get up at four in the three thirty in the morning here <laughs> and, and and show up and, <laughs> and, and I was so excited I woke up early before my alarm even went off and it's like okay this is really something and um you know just how my body responds is always something I follow because my body I feel is so intelligent like <laughs> so when I, I feel this kind of aliveness and excitement and um curiosity um that's, that's where I'm, I'm, I am. And I'm, I'm really, um, this is the first time I've experienced any group um, conversation in this stream. And, uh, you know, and I, I feel, um, I feel really enlivened by it and, uh, and intrigued and, and definitely want to, to move into more experiential places and and I can really feel I'm, I'm glad I actually came in this way because I feel like I've, I've come into the the heart of something, the pulse of something that is um, my passion has always been group work, community building. I've lived in group settings almost all my adult life. And um, and that always draws me is is how do we evolve um, as a group and and as a person? Sitting here not knowing your language, like I had to say to Kian, What's a knit? A, a, a um, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I was like, What are they talking about? And, and I, I couldn't, I could sort of guess, but I wasn't sure. But it was like, I'm feeling really comfortable that I don't know. And I am actually excited because I, I want to get, I, I really, what keeps me alive, I'm 70, 75 years young, I call myself, mm-hmm. and growing. Um, and to uh, be comfortable with not knowing because that's where my edges are, that's where my growth is and i um and I can just feel I've been looking for a, a greater culture to grow myself further in uh, because I know that I can get stuck in my boxes. I do understand that <laughs>
8: I wanting
7: to have things a certain way so um I really appreciate the invitation to to bring myself forward here and Really delighted to um, to see all of you and and see what how how what you're doing is living. Um, so thank you. thank you. I really appreciate it.
2: You are welcome, and you are welcome. <laughs>
1: and Sage, we we are exploring all those distinctions and words, even nits, in the women's possibility team. It's every Friday, and you're welcome to join. Thank you. <laughs>
8: And Sage will join an introduction to Rage Club next uh, Friday the ninth in Nelson, British Columbia. Nice. And <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm just tearing up just hearing you, Sage. I've spent the the last ten months just spending so much time with Sage, and she's. You've probably noticed already, but she's a sorceress witch with so much, that mm-hmm. like. Humble wisdom pouring forth, and I'm just so glad that she's starting this context and gets to know about it.
2: Yeah, and to
8: get to share it with her.
2: Thank you. In reality, it's a rare opportunity, and I'm I'm, sometimes it amazes me that there's not a thousand people in this space, you know. Where is everybody <laughs> and i I can't understand that I cannot understand that um except that somehow there's a lesson from reality in that, and I don't know what the lesson is exactly if I think it's a scary lesson, but in any case, you know people are not knocking on our door, breaking down the door saying we're we're the witch hunters, we're gonna take you away to the church and try you in a you know, inquisition or something like that. It's not happening. So we have this rare opportunity where we can be this far away from the ordinary and really stand on the edge and and hold space for that to unfold and make artifacts. It's where every recording that we get up online and, and make available to people, it could stay there a while. You know, it could stay there quite a while and over time, thousands of people get to uh, go through the door. And so that's why every time you take a risk here, put dangerous stuff on the table, get vulnerable, ask questions where there's no answer. Those are really precious jewels and artifacts that we're leaving behind for people to find their way, even when modern culture, ordinary people can offer them no map. You know, we don't, we're not, trying to fix people or put people back together the old way. We're trying to build opportunities or spaces where people can unfold themselves in new ways. And the potential of human beings to become um, unfolded in new ways is vast. It's vaster than most people ever imagine. And we're we're really building out... Uh, game world spaces and processes and language vocabulary and distinctions and and whole um parts of the culture that that are holding the new unfolding in a way that that is stable and it's it's grounded stable and grounded and and really new and so i'm I'm really glad that there's so much intelligence and so much whatever effort like really previous research brought together here for and shared here for other people to use. So thank you for being part of that. <laughs> Is there somebody who has a line in the script right now?
9: I,
8: I want to say something about... I was listening to the last study group and there's still something... I'm still in open spaces from the past and last study group was this end of this chapter of beyond repair and people were speaking about how that touched their life. And I, I just feel this impulse to also share about it because it, the, the last 10 weeks or however long that was have really, um, have had such a, um, the context of possibility management had such a deepening function for me of the to getting what this context is about, even though I think you you were speaking, Clinton and Chloe and, and everybody else was speaking about what it is about for four years. But somehow the distinctions that were coming up through these these last 10 weeks, it made it possible for me to, to walk into this experience of this new culture and, and kind of start having one foot in there and start owning the ground in some way of the groundlessness that it's an ongoing unfolding of the culture with, which only unfolds through my participation in it. So to me walking and speaking about this culture and then folding and the distinctions and, and learning to live them actually in relationship. And that's also where this living in community, offering spaces about it comes in and, and learning to work with other people and, trying to figure out what this stuff actually means the culture and the and the power of these distinction became accessible mm-hmm. and and it's so uh, it's so mind-blowing I, I remember like Clinton you held this space for me I don't know four five years ago the first healing session with you I don't know if you remember that and it was just this journey of taking like totally breaking me out of this shell this this life that I lived in and and you said stuff like basically the life you live is to fulfill the expectation of your parents what are you doing with your life and I walked around for a week totally depressed and just like with the head with the with my head like down and being like god what have I done but this pain has since then kept me going and and just in the last yeah, in the last ten weeks, really, or maybe since the beginning of Rage Club, spaceholder training with Aunt Chloe, these—I feel like there's this fruit fruit, fruit ripening in me, and yeah, there's just like I feel so like there's so deep love for what what this is, what this this journey that we're on is, and what you've done and what like what you Clinton have done and you and Chloe done to me (laughs) in this time and what you dare to to shred what you've dared to be a propeller blade for and so somehow this this being of mine could come out a a tiny bit more and now I get to be that for other people and and it's such a really moved really like just like ecstatic and sad and Love, <laughs> and I want to say another thing, and that is uh, I want to practice that, so I'm just going to try this. Like, I think three spaces ago, Clinton, you said something to me about God, something about your heartbreak is fake, and I, I just got hooked about through the whole space. Yeah, yeah I need to. Sorry. Oh. You're, you're waking up. I'm waking up the neighbors <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> blame, you can blame so me.
0: Fight them. <laughs> you
2: can just blame me. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If you come to Bali and knock at my door, and
8: <laughs> so, um, so I I made three processes about it, and I found a lot of jewels about this thing of um, there's something about authority, my dad, whatever, not appreciating my my being. And and but what what it, what it still stays with me. There's this anger because I've, I'm have i discovering in the last two, three weeks I'm holding space for people, but also in my own process that there is a quality of welcoming people's beings into the world that I'm now holding space for, and that I haven't have like haven't to experience myself, and haven't happened like just people pop up around me who who need to go through this process of being welcomed with the being at some some place. And it's such a like like there's something about when a being gets born and I'm just seeing that also with what um ripples through Devon somehow through the village at the moment, he's posting about these beings that are born in Inlakesh, in this community in Mexico, and there's something that is about beings coming in the world that breaks people's heart. And if that doesn't happen, if your heart is not, like if you don't experience that the village around you has a broken heart by you coming into the world, you're missing this experience. You're missing this experience. And for the rest of your life, you will resent your village because they haven't welcomed you. Hmm. They haven't let their heart break. Hmm. And it Hmm. can happen now. It can happen again. (laughs)
1: I I have another thing about the village, which we've with Kian and Habet. The P- question
2: P- that you brought, Habet. Sonia, will you just hold on a second? Yes. Just hold on. This stuff that Kian just said is so big and so profound and so well said, I'd, I'd really like to just let it hit the space a little more. Just wait a second. I don't know if, I don't know how many of you remember when a part of your being was born and your village welcomed you. And you may have been in so much of a liquid state, you did not even notice the village welcoming you. And I certainly remember those times being unfolding in villages in surprising ways that people were not expecting. And there was really kind of nobody there. To welcome me and basically I kind of had to welcome myself in a way like my parents could not do it the trainer could not do it the other participants could not do it and I know what was happening and I had to kind of hold space for that thing with some kind of faith to 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 respect that part of that new part of me unfolding and it was like unsatisfying in a way like you're saying Kian because the People didn't get it because if they got it, they would recognize that part in them that's not born yet. Or that somebody would they did not recognize them when they were coming out like that. And it would just bring up so much for people. And so the way that you just said that, Keenan was really uh it anyway touched me and was really valuable. I just wanted to hold. That space for a minute, if in case anybody else wanted to uh, contribute to that. Go ahead, Nicole. I have
3: have something about that. It was if Devin wrote this poem to welcome people into one of the spaces that he's holding, and I thought I, I read this home it was basically that it was like oh, a new being is here in this space we get to welcome them and and I'd been wanting to go to that space and I found out it's a day where I'm committed to something else and I asked for an emotional healing process about it because I was I was like what something really big was happening to and it was when I I had, I realized I had this fear that I would never be welcomed like that anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had Nicole Netta held space for me and I discovered I had made this decision that I hated people that I was, I was, and, and that I was better than them and smarter than them and they could all just fuck off and, and because they, they could not welcome me. And, and yeah, this thing where I would be welcoming myself and I had, like, I, part of my gremlin in my box was, like, holding space for myself in the absence of this. And there's this song, this song that comes out of Southern Africa. And it's part of the Gods Must Be Crazy movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's on the list, isn't it?
2: Yes, definitely. And anyway,
3: we... Where this teacher she arrives in this village with these mud huts, these rondavels in the in the in Africa, and and the and the bell rings because she's arrived and they start singing this song. And it's like every time I hear it, I just wanna cry and I wanna sing it and I wanna be part of a village that sings a song of welcome when I get home, you know. And I've been I've been grieving. It, now that I really get it, there's this massive grief. And it's so cool because I've started noticing, like you're t- just talking about, clinch, I started noticing the welcome song of the universe and how it is in action around me, how echo just sets up these spaces for me to go into and to be that welcome for other beings. And they just, they, It's like their head snaps and they're like, what? I, I get to be welcomed by somebody? It's like they're starving for it. And this this is like, it's such a gift to have space for that now and have eyes for it that see that instead of all the evidence that I don't belong.
2: Hmm.
8: Mm.
0: Thank you, Nicole.
3: And I feel sad because of how of how that's happened in in PM spaces. And and with you, Clinton, with you a bit and Chloe, and now God and all I've seen is evidence that I'm not welcome. And I couldn't I could like I'm totally oblivious to the fact that I already had been welcomed. But it was just like that part of me, that child that's just starving just was insatiable. And and I feel glad to know. I feel glad that it's clear now and that that's, it's like some some plug went in the hole of that mm-hmm. that insatiable mm-hmm. hunger.
2: Ah mm-hmm. oh, thank you. And on the village healing Village mm-hmm. with healers, what's it called?
0: Yeah, healing, healing, village. Yeah,
2: this what we're talking about mm-hmm. should really go in there. It really needs to. It's been a, oh. unaddressed.
0: Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you, what do you call yourself, Nicole, and also Kian? About the way you welcome, you welcome the beings.
8: I came up with being birthed.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. For me, it it goes in with the evolutionary village weaver and something about being at the gate of the village.
2: Do you welcome people through the gate? Yeah. Thank you.
3: And it's a little bit of a kind of um What's it called when you, you you welcome someone and you walk along with them for a little while to to kind of introduce them to, you know, like like orientation, like an orienteer, village orienteer, something like that,
2: or accompaniment.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was yeah.
0: it's the one of the words from Alexander Jodorowsky in the interview that you had with him. It's in the No Reason book. And his Clinton keeps asking him, what do you really do? And he just keeps basically saying, I just accompany people. Like wherever, whatever is going on for them, I'm just accompanying them and saying, I am here with you, whatever is going on. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's so cool. That's what came out of the mother graduation adventure. I, was, I didn't know what to call myself. And, and it was, it's really accompaniment, like, because, because I'm, I've graduated as a mother, I'm still graduating, I'm going to have another graduation, it's, it's, it never ends, so I'm with the people, I'm with the other mothers, and not, it's not, like, coaching just didn't really work, and I, I, I thought Sherpa, because, and then someone told me that the Sherpas carry the, the, all the baggage of everyone i'm like i'm not doing that
2: <laughs> <laughs> good did you, yeah. did you see the note from ingrid nicole did you see the note from ingrid i am glad that you discover that you're welcome <laughs> it is a fact this is reality that is reality that you're welcome
3: <laughs> that's ingrid she <laughs> like the reality <laughs> of welcome
2: yes Was there anything else from somebody else about this kind of hatching out or emergence or unfolding and uh, the value of being recognized in that by the village or being welcomed or acknowledged? Does anybody have anything else about that?
9: And by experience, experimenting with folks here in Eugene, you can do a micro version of that in a moment with a hug. And the hug is that you embrace them and you just stay there.
0: Mark, could you say it in I
9: and keep breathing?
0: You you you've been...
9: I am yes, I've been experimenting that this. Um making the hug so that it's it, it, you go into a steady state and I just hold that steady state. And when they're done, they let go. And it's like, great, you're done. But I've found that they get longer and longer. Like people who have had a hug for me before the next one is can go for a minute or more. So, and and that, that's part of what's happening. When they come out of it, they're not the same as when they went into the hug. And I didn't realize the rebirthing part, but it's there's some aspect of that where they're suddenly feeling like they were separate and just floating around in the world. And now they're here in this moment, in this
2: space. Thank you.
6: And what what I'm sensing, listening is remembering the time when my daughter was born. I never felt that vulnerable, um, like in that time, and I never. And it's because I didn't knew. I just realized, okay, there's this being, and it's called my daughter, and there are certain responsibilities attached to it. But I think I'm so I was so touched by, and I yeah it's the first time I experienced that being so touched by a new being in a space. And what touched me listening to you, Kian, when you were saying about the resentment or what's the village when you're not welcomed, I I see myself in that, like I see myself. With, with my family, I see myself with all the resentments I carried against them for like nearly mo- all of my life where just my being didn't felt welcome. There was so much expectations put on so much wars going on behind. And yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm touched and I'm, Tonight, when I read to my daughter, I will, I would I want to welcome her again and again and again, and I just want to see how it goes instead of being this functional reading machine, <laughs> which I'm not. It's, I'm, I'm hard judging myself, but yeah, just looking forward to this new experience with a refresh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
9: yeah. just as a plus for you. Are you familiar with the uh, Good night Feelings book?
6: Yes,
2: great yes, thank you. I want to share a picture <clears throat> of when my first daughter was born that and my wife and I had arranged that it was it was us and a midwife. This is in Northern California, and the midwife was kind of busy and so I'd never even held a baby before. And here this baby's being born and the the midwife's not there. So it's me. And so I'm like, you know, the baby's head is starting to come out before, before the midwife really comes into the space. And so, but I was essentially, I was, I was holding this space for this emergence, this being coming into the world. And The the thing that I want to share the picture of is she comes out head first and it just kind of works. And and we have this warm bucket of water right there, a tub of warm water right there. So I get to bring her out into this warm tub with my hands. You know, she just fits right in these hands. And she she's just looking at me. You know, she's totally breathing, totally and totally open. You know, her eyes are completely open. It was totally fine. She's not crying. You know, this whole hitting the babies and crying thing is just insane. You know, it's insane. And she comes out and she's welcome into this. The earth has warm water. It's not cold and hard out here and bright. You know, it's the lights were down low. The warm water's there. Dad's there. Mom's right there. And, and it's like, okay, there's a welcome happening. And I, we, I miss that. I think all of us missed having that, but just having the picture that it's possible, you know, that that could be, that could have been your welcoming. It could have been the first welcoming, you know, that you could have had out here in the world. And you can kind of give it to yourself by just imagining, God, that would have been really amazing. You know, that would have been, ah, you know, like (laughs) yourself have that as a beginning for yourself and it's, yes, it didn't happen. But, you know, whatever did happen to you is only a memory now. And you can kind of modify your memories. You can add in additional memories to kind of color the, the whole thing. And so I, I encourage people to, to do that sometimes.
0: I would add, because now that you're giving this picture, I remember, like, I've been a swimmer. So I've been in water basically since... I was eight years old was seven years old. I've been just like living in water all the way up. I was 17, 18. And I went in the water with Clinton. Anyway, it took a little while, but Clinton at some point said, I'm, I'm just going to hold you. Like, you know, I'm I'm laying flat and, and Clinton is holding me. And I remember being really freaked out about that the first couple times. And now I get this picture that this was kind of the same. <laughs> experience of like being in this water and being welcome and how intimate that is actually to do that with somebody and so the experiment could also be to do it with Mm. somebody in water and just have somebody just gently hold you you know your legs your back and have this yeah eye contact and be welcome the
2: watery welcome Mm -hmm. the warm watery welcome Mm -hmm.
0: Nice. <laughs> it was easy to have warm pool here in Bali, <laughs> warm whole <pool> water. <laughs> but,
2: yeah. hmm. Okay then. Maybe we're going back to Sonia. Sonia, I think we're ready.
1: Yes. And what I was going to say it's not fitting anymore. And I want I'm going to share a legend about my mother. And it's relating to when I was born. So she went to the hospital, several. The, the doctor was a man. And at some point they wanted to use forceps to bring me out. And my mother, while she was among that pain, she started fighting him. And she said, no. And she kind of saved my life that day. Because one of my mom worked with children. I have paralysis and brain malfunction because of the use of forceps. Yeah. And so this is the legend and I, I'm honoring my mother here now.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Sage.
7: Um, I just wanted to share that Um, at some point we have a hot springs here in Nelson area and there was a woman that was training with Watsu and she trained with a doctor that was doing rebirthing work. And, um, and we, yeah, I was able to be held and in a pool. She actually put me in fetal position against the wall and held my back so that I was actually back in the womb. And then she said, push off. And so I pushed off and my body was kind of spiraling through the water. And then she was able to to catch where I had been caught going through the birth canal and and just kind of tweak that. And uh, and it was a a very powerful experience for me that was so somatic that it really repatterned what I had experienced And I also felt this intense fear when I was in the fetal position in the womb. And I realized that, oh, my God, that's not my fear. That was my mother's fear um, while I was in the womb. And that it was her, you know, I was able to differentiate something that I couldn't differentiate when I was in the womb. And, oh, my gosh, that work was so powerful that it, it really changed a lot of the way that I I viewed life like I was literally rebirthed in warm water in these positions with um, even even sometimes I was put on the bottom of the pool and she would put her foot on my back and these trust experiences where she had to sense when I needed when she needed to let go and I needed to surface to breathe. And and so I would hit these edges of intense body fear and then she would feel that and let me go. And so there was just this powerful work in in warm water that um I did over um a period of time and uh anyway, I just wanted to say that exists, and it's so beautiful i really really appreciated that that repatterning on a somatic level
2: thank you thank you.
9: For those who might be curious, it's 99 to 101 degrees. It's not the 106 hot tub. So it's not scalding hot. It's just above body temperature.
0: Okay, this is in Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yes, not
9: so.
6: (laughs) Boiling (laughs) water.
2: I'm going to keep reading from the book. And so this is the archetypal part of the book. You know, we, for those who are jumping in, or trying to jump in in this part of the study group, you know, we've already spent a year doing the ordinary and a year doing the extraordinary to prepare ourselves into the archetypal. And each chapter has a large warning sign going beep, 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 thinking that you can leap into the archetypal without first going through the ordinary and the extraordinary, you know, it's not going to help you. So let yourself be warned. We're talking about archetypal. We're working with archetypal and archetypal relating archetypal being and tapping into the archetypal nature of the universe, which is what we're human beings are actually designed on. So to move into the space of archetypal love Requires the broken heart, and so if you're not at a place where you've learned to feel consciously and where it's, you have not stellated your sadness to one hundred percent archetypal level for no reason for as long as you want, if you don't have that capacity, you're in the you're in the wrong domain. You need to go, it's like I don't know what it's like uh bringing your your mule to a Indy 500 port, you know, car race and putting your, getting on the back of your donkey and thinking that you're going to participate in this race with the Indy 500 machines you know, that are revving at 5,000 RPM and ready to. So, so you really need to prepare yourself to, to understand and to do what we're talking about here. So having a broken heart, your first reaction to the image of having a broken heart could well be revulsion, Because a broken heart appears to be a weakness, a handicap, a vulnerability that saddles you with a pain. What could it mean, quote unquote, a broken heart? First of all, it is not the heart that gets broken. The heart is fine. What breaks is the agglomeration, the agglomerated encrustations around your heart that you collected so as to buffer your heart against experiencing an intensity of feelings that you thought you could never bear. So you got to get that picture that we've built this protection up and it's, and it becomes crystallized. And that's the thing that's breaking. That's the part that's breaking is the, the barnacles, you know, the, the, the coral that's built around your heart that's there to, defend the heart from this kind of stuff. It's like that's the part that breaks off for the heart to come alive, to get bigger.
1: What what's a barnacle?
2: A barnacle is a sea organism that grows on the bottom of boats, that pointy thing, and that you have to scrape it off the boat. You know what I'm talking about? What is yes, it? In- thank what you. In Portuguese. Uh
1: I don't know if there's
2: a name. What is it in French? (laughs) I'm sure there's a name. It's in (laughs) anything. Okay. So you know what we mean. It's this, this hard, crunchy, solid part that's built up over years to protect your heart against experiencing aliveness. Because you thought you would never bear it. Thought you could never handle it. So you defended your heart in order to survive. You get that, which in turn, if, if you, if you, if you concrete yourself into a survival mode, you don't get to live. But our orientation in our environment has always been about survival. We have we don't have examples of aliveness. We don't have bridges to aliveness. We don't have aliveness school or aliveness transition, like none of that stuff. They want you to be successful. Being successful is another way of being dead. So. This aliveness is foreign to modern culture. So the thing is, you defended your heart in order to survive, and it worked because you did survive. So it's important to recognize and acknowledge that your technique worked because you did survive. Yes, your intention was noble and successful to be able to survive. So it's not about beating yourself up that you encrusted your heart to survive because it was noble to survive. Who else was going to survive for you? You get this? There's nobody else out there who was going to take a stand for for you to survive. You did. And it worked. So it was noble. And so your intention was to take care of yourself so that you could continue to live. And you lived and you grew and you matured until that which once defended you has now become your prison. It's that simple. What may be happening now is that you are outgrowing your own defenses. The tricks that you created to stay untouchable are as irrelevant as diapers, as unnecessary as a baby bottle, as extraneous as training wheels on your bicycle. You get those things? They were all necessary for a while. But... The situation's different now. The broken heart is hard-earned and commonly perceived as an avoidable evil. You know, the whole, all these love songs, you know, and all this, this, the whole, the poetry, whatever, it's like to try to, the, the broken heart is problematical. And, and, and if you can avoid it, well, then that's better. So the broken heart is, is often is something that god lets happen to you as an oversight you know it should not have happened and here you have a broken heart that's how it's commonly viewed an extraordinary event must occur to shift a victim's view of having a broken heart to include its true value So this extraordinary event is a change of perspective. How is one to responsibly understand and use the pain of deceit and betrayal to expand compassion rather than shrink it? How can a broken heart serve archetypal love? This is this paradoxical situation. The answer is counterintuitive. A broken heart is so tender and raw that considering doing violence to another person or to nature feels like raw skin scraping on a hot pavement. It is not the pain of being violated, but the pain of being about to cause violence yourself that changes you. When pain about your own unconscious behavior wakes you up to the depth of your own unconsciousness, then your broken heart changes the way you behave. You care too much about the being of a person to be insulted by their box. You get this? You care too much about the being of a person so that you're unhookable from all their box stuff. You cannot be insulted by a person's box because you care too much about their being. You're looking, you're with their being, being with their being. The box is doing its thing. It's irrelevant. So why take revenge against a sleeping machine when there is a living being in there whom you could love? And do you get how different this is from the ordinary and the, even the extraordinary of being, re, of being ordinarily responsible, you know, the extraordinary relating is is responsible. But then there's, there's paybacks, you know, it's like you did this to me, so I have to do this to you. That's fair. This is, this is the extraordinary, actually, the way it's that's adult level. But well, we're talking about archetypal level when there's a living being in there and you could love that rather than being hooked by reactivity. When you oh no' we're not there when you accept the unexpurgated experience of your broken heart, unexpurgated means it's unedited, like the full experience of your broken heart, there may come times when you think you want to die of overwhelm, from shame, or from isolation, or from depression or grief or remorse, but you do not die. Instead, you live on within an intensity of experience far above what you previously defined as your maximum limit. Even if you do not know how this process works, you continue living. In these times, you have hit bottom. There it is. There it is. Right there. It was always there. (laughs) We've been rediscovering (laughs) hit bottom. And it was always there. It's amazing. In these times, you hit bottom. There's a website called Hit Bottom. Great context and experiments. You have given up trying to control the circumstances and have become fluid to a level that you previously assumed would drive you crazy. And then you discover that in these times, you are to a high degree transparent to the principles that serve what is wanted and needed in the space, because your box does not care to interfere with its dreary opinions anymore. The box has become just boring, and you get to be alive in a whole different way. As paradoxical as this may sound, in my experience, the upper world is entered through the bottom of the underworld. <clears throat> there's this map of these worlds that there's this middle world and underworld and an upper world. And if you're in the middle world and you die, you go to the upper world because that's, that's heaven. Whatever. So this is a, some Christian church or whatever diagram of the worlds. But if you actually are in the middle world and you try to go to the upper world, like you go visit your parents at Christmas and you go and knock on the door, You should bring along a stopwatch and see how long it is before you're hooked by your parents. You know, you hit the doorbell and as soon as that door opens, you click the stopwatch and you see, as soon as you start feeling this reactive energy, you click it again. You get, Jesus, I made it to 16 seconds this year. Wasn't that great, honey? You know, 16, last day it was only four seconds. I'm here
0: before I was hooked. Before I ran, yeah, it before else. I
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to do you're trying to go from the middle world to the upper world, but you know what's in the way the underworld. So the map was wrong, it goes middle world, underworld, upper world. And this up here, the top part of the underworld is the bottom part on the inside. So you have to dig through the mud to get to the sky. It's a quote from Lee Lawson. Anyway, you discover. Uh, Yes, 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 yes. Okay. As paradoxical as this may sound, okay. The upper world is entered through the bottom of the underworld. Your brokenheartedness gives you answers that you thought could only be found elsewhere through struggle or merit. Like the Buddhists, they try to get merit. And so you think that um, your brokenheartedness gives you answers that you think that merit would give you answers, but actually it's your broken heart that gives you the answers. In those worst of times, quote unquote worst of times, as you look back on your life, you see that having abundant compassion towards your own broken heart is what finally makes sense. Does anybody have anything about all that yet? Because it goes on, it doesn't just end there.
0: Well, I was, this last part that you read, I thought people who have this, this thing about the pressure, you know, it's like, I'm going to get somewhere through struggle or merit. I mean, especially through struggle. And, and I think working through this pressure is fear, And maybe it's just really this fear of the brokenheartedness, like we're that the survival strategy is the survival strategy of pressure is a way to avoid just being heartbroken. And so I'm I'm taking that as in the Fear Club and working with people who, yeah. I mean, we whatever, we've learned that through pressure we would get good grades. And we think becoming human is a is the same, it follows
1: the same instructions. Thank you. I discovered that in a process that I did about my own pressure, that I <clears throat> I was pressuring myself to not be in contact with people so that my heart would not be broken. And it, it was in this moment where uh, I, was just, uh, I, I was just beginning to walk on with my knees. And I remember that my head was really heavy and I kept hitting my head in the carpet. And my mom was screaming and I had this clear vision of wanting to go to her skin and but the fear was coming in of if I go there, she may hurt me. And and this was the part of breaking my heart. And so I used the anger to 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 not to not go with the impulse of going to this nurturous place that I really wanted to. And so this was active and during one of the spaces of Fear Club of removing blocks, I I I took the block out and there will be other layers but this was happening with with everyone it was not not just with my mother
2: mm-hmm. thank you thank you i
8: <clears throat> i went over so like this new year's shift lauren i went through a phase of having no contact at all and uh, it, it seemed like this this stuff was over, basically, and so I went through this thing called a heartbreak for the first time with the possibility to feel my feelings and what I noticed is that for me, I needed to break my heart myself, I needed to do it like it wasn 't just broken I needed to to go through the resentment through the layers of resentment and expectation that that is that are more easy to go to for my, for my, whatever, survival strategy. Uh, And I needed to, to go through these layers of resentment and break through them to my heart. And I think that is for, at least for me, but I think also for a lot of other people, that's, that's a heartbreak is not something that just happens. It's something that needs to be cultivated, that needs to be attended, and needs to be um seed, so, so like sought 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 out. And um what I've what I've like I re I I for the first time in my life I felt like I really went into like full on the swamp. I didn't speak to anybody for five days here in the community. I was just not sharing anything. And I did it because I wanted to to go into the the full depth of what that means to experience that without rescuing myself out of it, without trying to fix it. And I came to these. I came. I really, what you just described, Clinton is. I came to this place where I saw that my revenge strategy was not worth not loving this being, and and I. But I needed to have. Time. I need to have to sit with this and, and break it down so I could see that. And then there comes this, it's an, it's an, like, it's a crazy experience. There comes this experience of seeing my whole, how I became, how I survived in this, in this light of archetypal love and how it's in the way, how it's like covering this, this archetypal love that could happen And to be in this unbearable split between those two that needs to be bought, like that that I need to stay in for some time so this thing can dissolve. And uh, yeah, and, and, and then to, and the interesting part, now I feel like this is now my practice to keep staying in that split of seeing seeing all this stuff, seeing all these these things from the past and, and living with the attention and awareness that there is something else possible and it's only possible through staying in this heartbreaking space for the rest of my life.
2: Like like it says hit bottom and stay there. I yeah, I mean, it's a kind of glorious thing to say for the rest of my life because what I what I found is it, it becomes familiar or or normal or acceptable and in fact it goes it goes further, you know, and so it's not like it's not like the end you haven't you didn't hit the candy store yet. You know, there's this next one, and the next one, and the next one. But this, but you don't. You know what we don't do it like you can't. You can't get to the next one except by staying on the edge of that one. You really have to stay at the edge of it. If you go back off, like Anne Chloe says, and you go into the marshmallow zone, you go into this buffer zone, and you try to protect your your survival strategy from the world, so that like you build up this construct. A lot of handsome holy tribal men types in the feminine version are doing that. They're training people how to build up this buffer zone to protect their survival strategy from reality. And then it just complicates matters. And what what we're talking about is is really forget the marshmallow zone and like let your survival strategy hit reality, like you said, Keen, exactly the way you described, and then it reality will will take it apart. Because because the survival strategy is not real. It's necessary for a time, but it's not real. And so then as it comes apart, then the emergence can happen. So thank you. Somebody gonna say something? Okay. If you practice delaying your reflexive moves. Like reflexive means automatic. You know, when your knee's hanging on the table and the doctor hits it with a hammer and your leg goes like this. That's a reflex. It just happens every single time. You just This is this reflex. And so, so if you practice delaying the reflexive move, the try to patch up the cracks in your heart, then the heart will gradually relax into staying open even when it hurts. And I think that's what you're talking about, too, Kian. I think we've been talking about it It stays open even when it hurts. You develop distinctions between the different kinds of hurting. Is it fear? Is it rage? Is it sadness? Is it joy? Is this a feeling or is it emotion from the past or somebody else? Is this my pain or someone else's pain? Is this feeling mixed together with other feelings or is it a pure, pure emotion? Is it mixed emotions or pure emotions? How big is it? What percentage big is it? All of this stuff informs you. It's inner navigating. Accepting your own broken heart is a new experience. Your whole body may, may find empathy, may become, unpredictably kind and generous to yourself and other people who are in these states. You know, I, I remember plenty of times going through this kind of stuff where, you know, somebody who just is a nuisance to me, all of a sudden I have this huge compassion for them and clarity about what's going on because I I'm going, I went through something like that, you know, and I go, oh, my God, I, I was pretending like you were you were a problem. And in fact, there you are you're really more present and real than I was. And so it's, I've even gone to those people and apologize sometimes to say, I just didn't get it before. So I'm sorry. So, cause your whole body can find empathy and become kind and generous or may sense what is happening in, in, the, in your proximity if it is happening to itself, not because your heart wants to feel these things but by the very fact that your heart is broken and no longer protected with a sense of already knowing certainty. Because that's, what, that's what part of the protection is. I already know this. I'm already, I already get this. Because you don't have that anymore. The broken heart opens to wide band exchange. Wide band means multiple frequencies. Normally, a lot of times, especially in the intellectual body, we have these really narrow bands Of connecting with people, really a narrow band. But with a heart level, you can open to wide band. You know, I'm, you probably have this experience. You look, I I look at a dog or I look at an ant, you know, and the ant is scared or the dog is pissed off, or, you know, I'm looking at a tree and the tree is being encroached by another tree. You know, I have this wide band, send compassion or stuff that's happening in nature or around me with other beings. And I never, you know, I, I would block all that before because my heart was encrusted. When you start knocking the crust off, you start getting this wideband sense of, of connection, both with other people and with specific situations and it, all these encounters. It's a new kind of energetic flow through, flow through your heart. How many people have been experiencing that in the last while? You get this whole new level of flow through. Yeah. So s- sooner or later, you come to discover that the experiences that shattered your innocence and eventually broke your heart open, gave you the exact reference points and sensitivities that you need to serve others with your archetypal lineage and your bright principle and to fulfill your destiny. Your pain has been your apprenticeship. Now keep in mind, we're not recommending going off and abusing yourself or letting other people abuse you so that you get apprenticeship. That's not what this is about at all. So do not confuse that, but the The universe is wise in many ways, and opens a lot of doorways. And I've been working on this novel called Cavitation, and in the last couple months, I've been in Syria, in Aleppo, which is most of us have no idea what's really been going on for the last thirteen years in Syria. Well, since 2011. Yeah. And it's, it's because modern culture news has, it's not market worthy, whatever. It's just the only use of it is to sell more weapons or something. It's it's insane. But for my, for this story, I have to go live in there. I'm living in Aleppo now. I've got like 30% of myself over in Aleppo during, and it's been a condensed of these last 13 years is, is condensed for me. And it's like, I don't get it, What? how pe- people have been given, I mean, six million people have left Syria in the last decade. And that's a quarter of the population of the country. They have left. They've just, everything's broken, everything's ruined, everything's destroyed, house, their identity, their family, you know, dead, destroyed, just obliterated, And they've just had to leave the country. And, you you know, for most people, you know, for a nomad, like I had to work decades to become a nomad. I had to let go, be able to let go of things enough to be a nomad. Well, these people, the rug is pulled out from under them and it's not their choice. It's just like their life has been killed. So either they stay there and die or they leave. And so six million people have decided to leave. Six million people are just homeless walking around the country. And and so it's like you've got 12, 13 million people. I mean, we don't even understand what a million is. Cannot even comprehend that number. Our mind is not big enough. Yet there's there's 13 million refugees from from the last 12 or 13 years in Syria, and the rest of the people are living in these hell worlds. And it's it's incredible uh, to try to imagine. Okay, how is Echo? working here how is the earth coincidence control office trying to open doors and offer people opportunities for the evolution of consciousness or healing a broken heart okay how is this working over there you know i i don't know i have no theory or i have no. i don't get it i'm not going to go over to, to syria and hang out in the wrecked out buildings of people shooting each other with ak-47s and dropping barrel bombs on i mean it's just insane what what I'm not going to go over there and try to figure it out like that but there are these things happening on earth where where it, it it's like okay how how can one comprehend and make sense out of it when, when you know i wrote this book back in i don't know what 2010 or something in 2007 it was before all you know i was aware of all this stuff and so it's like okay a broken heart becomes a gateway to archetypal relating all right, how does that work for somebody in Syria? Are they really being given this opportunity? Like, what does one have to do to, to sit in a space like this and consider this as a reality and actually work with it and produce results? Like, how can how are you going to walk out of here and start relating archetypally with some people in your lives? How are you going to do that in reality? Not just as a fancy idea or some something to... Mm tickle your fancy with as a concept but actually doing that how are you going to do that and and then it says you have to accept the the totality of your heart's brokenness so there's a difference between accepting brokenheartedness as a permanent condition and enduring a broken heart as a temporary strategy just long enough to get through a moment of anguish I mean enduring a broken heart is conditional, but archetypal love is unconditional. Archetypal love cannot land in the a relating space that you hold until you are willing for it to be there forever. What so, <laughs> does that even mean? Like how how are you able to endure that kind of Intensity, Like, how can you stand it forever? So archetypal love cannot land in the relating space you hold until you're willing for it to be there forever. And then archetypal love comes and goes as it pleases. By trying to endure a temporary broken heart without accepting an irreparably broken heart, the wall towards archetypal love stays in place. So the level of the game, the level, this is physics. This is like the physics of archetypal love. A man's broken heart exposes him to unspeakably precious experiences that were too frightening for a heart guarded by reactionary machine guns. Experiences that were previously too intense become suddenly too temporary. Temporary. Tenderly caressing the aliveness in your woman's hand enchants you endlessly. Within the field of your delicate attentions, her she unfolds into none other than the true archetypal feminine, the astounding goddess, the same one who was Mary Magdalene to Jesus, who was Shakti to Shiva, who is Radha to Krishna. This radiantly alluring she-being stands in relationship to you and every cell in your system tingles with that connection. You smell the musky warmth of her skin. You stroke the electric tangles of her hair. Maximum womanliness fully and richly responds to your glance. She speaks into your fortunate ears. She willingly spends precious moments of her life sharing ordinary chores with you, washing the dishes, you know, even eating or walking while exuding flawless beauty. And so She willingly spends precious moments of her life sharing ordinary chores with you while exuding flawless beauty, every breath and gesture only full of love. She envelopes you in her nurturing and healing balm of legendary proportions, the taste of which you can neither absorb enough nor appreciate enough. Being too close aches as much as being too distant, and yet she is the focus of your unquenchable longing when you appreciate and accept your broken heart. end of section 8D. Page 259. Thank you for being here tonight. Does anybody have any closing words?
7: Yeah.
3: That section really touched me.
2: Can you say more about that?
3: I've been struggling to to kind of distill between what what my fantasy is and what the real longing of the of the being is. And I really sensed in those words that it was just that simple without any more stories than that.
6: And that's why it really touched me i could i could really sense
0: belonging
9: for that thank you
7: thank you lisa thank you. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you i'd like to share that um that really touched me and i really appreciate the depth of of connecting the the depth of the broken open heart with the ecstatic communion with you know the 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 beauty of that that principle and that um, yeah, that can really feel in my being the um, the way it touches me is this this feeling of of opening to the um, the agony and the ecstasy of uh, of a living heart, and um, I really I thank you for for sharing that. It really will live with me, and uh, and it lives in my experience as well as in my longing. So thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: There's these moments that can go by pretty quickly in our what seems to be an ordinary world, but if you ever get a chance to eat a really good mango, or if you get a chance to see a bird in ecstasy, or if you see, you know, if you get to see a child smile at another child, or if you get to see a dog play or a cat play or something like these moments that that go by really quickly, if you can use those for doorways, that would be an experiment this week is to really try to capture those moments in terms of noticing them and, and hang in there, like hang in the moment without Trying to verbalize, i go, that's a cat playing, you know, that's a bird, you know, that's a mango, I'm eating a mango, put it in verbal reality, and, and then the experience is gone. Instead, try to hang out in the the actual doorway that you get from that, that gets opened for a moment, and just see how many breaths you can take before your mind comes in and just destroys it with ordinary. That would be an experiment this week, is to notice how many archetypal doorways are opened up for us in our daily life and see how long you can, how much of, you, of your anatomy you can stick through the door before the door closes. And <laughs> game over. Hello, Doris. We're all leaving. It's nice to see you, but we're leaving anyway. you
1: muted, Doris.
2: Reality, electronics. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah,
8: I came on over my phone because I've seen it right now in the morning that it's going on, and I was I had that impulse to come in. Sorry for coming in at the end, but um, I'm glad to see you both. Well, it's been am I'm minute. I'm in a huge learning about all you taught me. Thank you.
0: Okay. See you next week.
2: See you, everybody. Bye. Thank, you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
6: Goodbye. Bye-bye.